0: You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about whether or not you need a different treatment approach, depending on the type of migraine you have. Welcome, Mary. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm very interested in hearing the answer to this question.
0: Yeah, this is something that comes up in the Facebook group a lot. Would you agree like people asking, you know, I have this type of migraine? Have you used this type of medication? Or people searching for a new neurologist so that they can get an accurate diagnosis? Seems like this comes up pretty frequently.
1: Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I'm sitting here trying to think of all of the different types of migraines I have seen mentioned in the group. And a lot of them are like complicated, you know, medical terms. So I'm not sure if I could even list them. But I know for sure like there's, you know, head injury type migraines or, you know, people talk about migraines that start from their sinuses or their neck or... Like, I get vestibular migraines sometimes. So, I don't know, maybe you can tell us a little more about all the different types that people need. Yeah, for sure. Why don't we start with that and kind of go over
0: the different types of migraines? I actually have a blog post on my website that goes over the different types of migraines too. So, we can link to that. So, the most common type of migraine is the diagnosis would be migraine without aura. And so this is where people have sort of the main symptom would be the head pain. So this is kind of like the classic when you think of a migraine, right? The head is hurting. That would be the most common type of migraine that people have. Some people only have head pain with their migraine symptoms, but you know more frequently people will have other symptoms in addition to the pain. So they might have nausea. That's a real common one. Uh, they might have vomiting, they might feel real fatigued, kind of brain fogged, that's very common. And then people can have other symptoms that sort of overlap with some of the different migraine types. So people can have the head pain and then they might also feel dizzy, or they have the head pain and they sort of have uh tingling in the right hand or or something like
1: that. Yes, I've been seeing a lot of questions about. Like, do you get tingling, tingles or numbness in your body with migraines? And I, I didn't know that was a thing until that question popped up.
0: Yeah, for sure. So kind of the the diagnostic criteria is if you have head pain, you're going to get classified as that migraine without aura, even if you have other symptoms.
1: So this might be a really dumb <laughs> dumb question, but how do you know you have a migraine instead of just a regular old headache? Is it the frequency? Is it the magnitude of how bad it hurts? Like what what makes it different than a regular headache?
0: Yeah. So there can be a little bit of a fine line with this. And sometimes people do struggle with a diagnosis. So the diagnostic criteria so to speak. The classic migraine presentation is that you have the pain on one side of the head. So and many times, it's a, like a throbbing pain, like a boom, boom, boom. And then it will get better or worse. If you move, then it's worse. Like so the pain will kind of vary depending on your environment. Like, you know, oh, uh, the pain gets worse if I'm exposed to light. So the classic diagnostic criteria is going to be one side of the head or like one spot, you know, like the right temple. It's like in this area, this is where it hurts. It's kind of hurts in a spot, so to speak. And then very typically it's this boom, 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 kind of a throbbing type of pain that will change. The light makes it worse or the sound makes it worse. Or if I bend over, it gets worse. The pain kind of will change depending on the environment. And then many times it will have like the nausea, the vomiting. It's going to have other symptoms, a tingling, right? Versus a headache. A classic headache is going to be like, you know, kind of like my whole head hurts, but it's like a dull ache, And I don't have any other symptoms, right? I'm not feeling nauseous. It's not really pounding. It's more like a dull ache and it's just kind of there. No matter whether there's light hitting me, you know, whether I'm bending over and it's just kind of there. The pain is just there and there's no other symptoms.
1: What about... I know I've gotten the ones where you feel like an ice pick is being shoved through your skull. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when you say it, like you can't say that in an eloquent way,
0: <laughs> right? So that's very common with migraines. That people will they'll have more like a stabbing pain, like my eye is being stabbed, or somebody's repeatedly stabbing me. That's a pretty common sensation with that's migraines. Okay, but with migraines, it's a complex. Sort of neurological set of symptoms. So it's more like I say. Occasionally, people will just have pain, migraine pain. That's going to be really their only symptom. But more often, people have additional symptoms: the nausea, the tingling, the um, dizziness sometimes people will you know they'll yawn a lot you know different symptoms you almost again not yawning I'm I'm yawning a lot not that I'm even that tired it's like I just can't stop yawning right there's a there's a neurological component to the yawning
1: i've heard people have a the yawn when they're doing the uh oh moment like they feel the yeah. migraine coming on because of the yawn
0: a lot of times that uh oh moment it's not going to be pain it might be like oh i'm feeling like one common thing is oh i'm hungry I'm Oh, I need to eat something. Oh, what? Uh, If I could, I just need to get something in my stomach. Like people are suddenly hungry. That's fairly common. That could be an uh uh-oh moment. Yeah, a lot of times the uh uh-oh moment isn't actually the pain. The
1: pain, yes. And that's what I was just going to ask you, like, what about for me when I get a migraine, usually it's the aura without pain. Unless right. I let it go too long. And mm-hmm. then that turns into pain. But it usually is just the visual disturbance for quite yes. a while.
0: So that is a separate diagnosis. So that's the diagnosis of migraine with aura. Okay. So you kind of have, those are kind of the two main migraine diagnoses. The migraine without aura, which is more common, and then the migraine with aura. That is less common, okay? Auras are not as common. And so most situations where people have aura, in most situations, then the head pain will come after the aura. Some people will not get head pain afterwards, but usually people will get head pain after the aura. And usually the aura lasts 20 minutes. It's a... That's usually how long it lasts, also lasts about 20 minutes.
1: I do not think I've ever paid attention to how long mine go. <laughs> like, oh, okay, just hold out for 20 minutes or so. That's good to know.
0: That's the most common length of time is 20 minutes. It can seem longer than that, but that's usually how long they last.
1: This is probably another dumb question, but like, do they know what causes the aura? Like, why is their brain going...
0: Migraines, they really do not understand what kicks migraines off. It's really an unknown pathophysiology. Now, the aura, what's happening is, right, so nothing is actually happening in your eyeball. Right. It's all happening in the visual cortex of your brain. So, because a lot of people, right, when you get that aura, I remember the first time I had an aura, right? You think you're having a stroke, you think your retina's detaching, you think, you know, something's happening to your eyes, but nothing is happening in the retina. Uh, nothing is getting detached. There's nothing actually happening with the eyeball. It's all happening in your brain.
1: so it's basically the way your brain is perceiving or receiving the visual messages. Well so eye. what's happening? It's like a
0: little electrical sometimes people call it like a storm, like a little electrical storm that's moving through your visual cortex and this is why the aura is moving because it's actually moving into different areas of your visual cortex. And so then we perceive that like, it's, you know, oh, it started on the right, and now it's moving up, moving up to the, you know, left corner or something. That's because it's moving through your visual cortex.
1: I spend a lot of time going, wait, am I seeing that? And why is it moving? Yeah, like you're It's almost like you're not even sure what your eyes are seeing (laughs) for a while there.
0: And so it's a little like the nerves there in that area of your visual cortex, the nerves are firing. It's like a little storm of nerve firing. And then that, like I say, that we perceive that aura but it's not actually happening in our eye. And, you know, technically, right, the light is coming in and hitting the retina and then the photons of light are setting off those nerve signals. But all of that goes to our visual cortex, right? We actually see <laughs> in the back of our brain, even though we think we're seeing with our eyes, right? So when we have that aura, this is why to us, even though it's happening in the visual cortex, it's not actually happening like on our retina or anything like that. But to us, it's our vision, right? It's distinguishable from our vision because we're actually seen in the visual cortex in the back of our brain.
1: The way our our body sees is so fascinating. Right?
0: Very interesting.
1: When you say vestibular migraines too, like is that just another symptom of migraines or is that a whole other type of migraine?
0: Yeah. So this is another type of migraine too. So vestibular migraines. So this may not have head pain. And so this, again, it's sort of like a storm happening in the brain that is going through the centers that control our balance. So with vestibular migraines, we might feel dizzy. The room might be spinning. People could have a lot of nausea with that. People, right, the vertigo, the dizziness, the spinning, and then just, you know, that's a horrible, horrible symptom. Most people would prefer pain over dizziness, right? So...
1: I started very uncomfortable those. to be dizzy. Yeah, I started getting those about maybe in the last three to five years. And it was so weird the first few times because obviously I didn't expect it coming. Um, Now I'm kind of like, I know what's going to happen so I can prepare in a way, I guess be on guard for it. But yeah, the first few times I woke up and the, the world was just going in circles and you can't even get your footing like you just can't even figure out where you're at in the world. This is
0: really horrible and it can be difficult for people to get a diagnosis because sometimes there's no head pain and then also people can feel like they're having a stroke you know you might have felt like you were having a stroke or something like what's going on here and so it can be problematic for people to get a diagnosis proper diagnosis.
1: Well and they happen so infrequently that how do you Show a doctor what's happening if they only happen once every few months. You're not going to go to the doctor at the right moment when that's happening.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like you take your car into the mechanic and it's not making the noise anymore,
1: right? (laughs) Yes. Or every time you tell your husband your computer won't work, he walks over and everything's fine. (laughs) It's those moments.
0: (laughs) Exactly. so this can be a tough one to get diagnosed. These are, like I say, most people would rather have pain than dizziness. so these are very, very these cause a lot of suffering, those vestibular migraines.
1: Did we cover all of the types of headaches? I'm trying to I know I talked with questions.
0: The other <laughs> common one is hemiplegic migraine and so this is where one side of the body is affected. So again, this is happening in the brain. This is all getting kicked off with sort of like a storm in the brain. But so this is where the right side of my body go, went numb or my right hand is tingling. People can also have dizziness with this. A lot of times people will not be able to think clearly. Like, you know, like I lose the ability to say, you know, find names when this is going on, they'll they'll have like a impact with their speech. You can have an aura with this one; that's possible. And this one, you may not have
1: pain either. This one's the one I think that people talk about in the group as the one that they think they're having a stroke the most frequently. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. this one definitely, definitely, you could feel like you're having a stroke with this one because it's like one side, body,
1: yeah. yeah. And I don't know about you, but that would definitely freak me
0: out. (laughs) 100%. Yeah, exactly. I think once people, like I've never experienced this personally, but with my clients, I think usually once people get the diagnosis, then they feel a little bit at ease. Oh, well, my hand's tingling. This will pass and so on. But definitely when it kicks off, it's very, very anxiety provoking for people because people think they're having a stroke.
1: For sure. Especially if you can't find words, because like, I don't know, that just makes me feel like my brain short circuited like five minutes ago.
0: (laughs) And then you have menstrual migraines. That's very common. People only having a migraine around their period or ovulation. What I see, you know, technically it's a, a separate diagnosis, but what I see usually when people have menstrual migraines or ovulation migraines, usually they will have additional migraines outside of their period. Not, like I say, not 100% of the time, but usually they will have both migraines, you know, outside of their period or ovulation and the period or ovulation
1: migraines. So it's more common that they have more types of migraines, not only hormonal.
0: What's, I would say what is pretty common is people, maybe when they're a teenager, they'll start to get migraines with their period. This is a common way that migraines start. So first the migraines will come with the period. Only, And then as, as the health continues to decline, then people will have migraines outside of their period as well. So, you know, by the time people find me, their health has declined usually to that point. But when we go through the history, a lot of times, at first, they only had the menstrual migraines.
1: Interesting. So, side question. I mean, we have a lot of questions about menstrual migraines in the group. Is that caused by hormones or is it just one of those stressors that tips off the, like we've always talked about, the the stressor that kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back. Is it caused by menstruation and hormones or is it just an effect of too much stress?
0: Well, great question. Um, Let's link to the podcast on menstrual migraines where we went over that in detail. I think that's a great, uh, great point here to link to that. The other type of migraine that's more common in children is abdominal migraine. And so this can strike adults, but usually it doesn't. Usually it's seen in childhood. And again, this is something where the child has this attack of nausea, vomiting. The parents think they have the flu something like that. And usually there is not head pain, but it's is sort of an attack that comes on. And so this Why is... Why would they
1: call it a migraine if it's all abdominal? Because I don't know, I guess I always thought of migraines as a head issue, not a... Yeah, well, issue. this
0: is... Yeah, no, it's a great point. So the differentiation is that if it's being caused by a neurological storm, so to speak. So this can be very difficult to diagnose because, you know, a child... So first of all, a lot of children kind of get that stomach bug. That's kind of a common feature of childhood, the quote-unquote stomach bug. And then again, like with migraines, once the attack, once the storm resides, then the child's fine again, right? They're kind of up and at them again. And so if that doesn't happen very frequently right? It's going to be very difficult to diagnose. Many times parents won't even take the child into the doctor because they just assume it's a stomach bug, something like that. So those are, those are the most common types of migraines.
1: And so people will- One more. Yeah, go ahead. I just, I hear the term cluster headaches a lot too, and I don't understand like the difference between that and a, a migraine issue. So I'm sure that I'm not the only one that doesn't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's a,
1: what is cluster headaches?
0: Yeah. So this is a very particular type of head pain. And so it will feel like a migraine for sure. And, you know, in my world, these little distinctions, right? This is what we're going to talk about in the podcast. In my world, these little distinctions are not that important, but in conventional medicine, in allopathic medicine, the diagnosis is critical because like we've talked about in other podcasts, the treatment Flows or follows from the diagnosis. So, with cluster headaches, these are flaring and remitting, like migraines are. There's very, very severe pain on one side of the head. And then there might be other symptoms as well. So, people might have like a watery eye, their sinuses might get uh, clogged up. So, this can be a little bit harder to diagnose, too. Uh, a lot of times, people will struggle to get this diagnosed properly. But, in conventional medicine and allopathic medicine, like I say, the the treatment flows from the diagnosis. So, if you have and the the treatment is going to suppress the symptoms. We've talked about this before. So when you go into a conventional doctor, their thought process is not to figure out what's wrong and help you fix it so that you don't get the migraines anymore. Their thought process is, what is the diagnosis so that I can prescribe? the drug that is appropriate for that diagnosis, the drug that will suppress the symptoms.
1: There's no cure involved. It's not, hey, we're going to fix this. It's, hey, what can I do to just relieve your symptoms, basically. Exactly.
0: Because, again, this is not a criticism of medical doctors. In conventional medicine, they don't believe that you can recover your health. You know, Once you have a chronic condition, uh, you can only manage it. That's the mindset. So they're doing... What they think is appropriate, right? There. If you don't think that you can restore your health, you're not going to help anybody do that. If you think once you develop a chronic condition, the only thing that's possible is to manage it by suppressing the symptoms, that's what you're going to help somebody do.
1: Yeah, I'm going to make a note to link to the show that we did on what your doctor's thinking, so people can. Dive into that if they want to know more about the medical process.
0: So, if you have migraine without aura, most of your symptoms are head pain, they're going to start with a tryptin medication because that's what's indicated with that diagnosis. And if you have a lot of nausea with your migraines, they're probably going to give you an anti nausea drug also, right, to take care of that symptom so that you feel more comfortable. But if you have vestibular migraine and the main symptom that you have is dizziness, well, they're going to have to give a different medication to get rid of that dizziness. Okay, the problem is there aren't a lot of medication that gets rid of dizziness.
1: I know. With me, I have to just hurry and take a. I don't even know if I say it right, but meclizine, basically. Me- meclizine. Yeah. Meclizine, yeah. Just hurry and pop one and hope it goes away. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. So there are some symptoms. So like pain, we have analgesic medication, pain relieving medication. So, you know, you have things like naproxen. You have things like Aleve, Advil, aspirin, right? There's, you know, you have things like oxycodone, right? There's a lot of analgesic medications to take pain away. You know, what do you do to take tingling away on one side of the body?
1: Not a clue.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So like in that case for hemiplegic migraines, right, where somebody is tingling, well, then you might be prescribed like a benzodiazepine or something like that. Like you might be prescribed a Valium just in an attempt to like, oh, well, maybe if we take the anxiety down, right? Because again, you're going to feel anxious if you have those symptoms. So maybe if we take the anxiety down, that would help this. But some symptoms, they have drugs that are fairly effective at suppressing that symptom. And then Sometimes they don't have drugs that are very effective at all for certain symptoms. Like I say, when you go into the medical doctor and they're looking at how do we suppress this symptom, we have to get the correct diagnosis for that. And then you may or may not have a lot of options as far as drugs to suppress those symptoms. Like the other thing too, uh, like so let's say you have vestibular migraines and your main symptom is dizziness well a lot of people go to an ear nose and throat doctor because oh well, there's something wrong with my i'm dizzy this must be something wrong with my inner ear and so then they're going to ear nose and throat a lot of people will have sinus pain with regular migraine migraine without aura sinus pain is a real common feature so then again they might go to the ent they're getting mris of the sinuses and their antibiotics for a presumed sinus infection because there's pain there. And we've talked a lot
1: before about the process you go through is often very involved. How many tests, how many blood draws, how many x-rays, how many MRIs? And then you come out with like really no clear answers, which is almost more frustrating than when you started. (laughs) You just want an answer so bad.
0: So if you have been misdiagnosed you are not going to get the particular medication to suppress your symptoms. So this is where in conventional medicine, you know, getting the right diagnosis means getting different meds, which may be more effective at suppressing the symptom. So like for example, let's say somebody has hemiplegic migraine, like I'll give an example. Okay. So somebody has these episodes where they're feeling this tingling on one side of their body. And so they go into the doctor. Well, the doctor might assume, "Eh, you know what, I think you're having a panic attack, right? Because with panic attack, we could feel numbness and tingling. That could be a feature of a panic attack. And so like particularly, right, if there's no head pain with the hemiplegic migraine, it's just the numbness and tingling, the doctor might say, oh, you know, this is panic attack. So then they would give an anxiety medication, let's say. Well, that's not going to really suppress that tingling. So if somebody were to, you know, quote unquote, correct diagnosis, then they would be given other medication. So let's say maybe they would be given then uh, gabapentin or nortriptyline or something like that. That would be something that would be that is more suppressive of numbness and tingling.
1: Which I know a lot of our migraine group, our migraine sufferers, like they feel very invalidated when it's assumed to be an anxiety or... (laughs) like depression or anything like quote unquote in your head
0: right exactly
1: I just I hate the term it's all in your head because I'm like well yeah of course it is (laughs) like where else (laughs) (laughs) in the head whether you want to believe that or not
0: So this is why, you know, a lot of times people will be searching out for maybe a more expert neurologist or they want to go to a university medical center or something like that because they're kind of searching, you know, do I have the right diagnosis? Because from there, I'm going to get different medication. To suppress the symptoms. So to answer this question for this podcast, right, do different types of migraines require a different approach? If you're going to suppress symptoms, yes, you're going to need different drugs to suppress different symptoms. Now, in my world, the type of migraine, the overall problem is the same. So whether somebody is getting an aura, whether somebody's having vestibular migraines, whether somebody's, you know, quote unquote just having migraine without aura, whether somebody has headaches. So it's very common. People will have migraines flaring, but then they'll have headaches as well. That's very common. If somebody has menstrual migraines, somebody has cluster headaches. Um, The underlying issue is that the person is not in a state of health. And the answer to the problem is to restore the health so that the body doesn't generate those symptoms. So for me, The particular type of migraine that's happening is not that relevant to what I do, okay? Because the fundamental problem is that, you know, we're not in a state of health. And how do we restore our health? Well, there are three things that we have to do to restore our health. And I call these the three principles. So the first principle is we have to get the nutrients to every cell in the body. The second principle is we have to clear metabolic waste material. And the third principle is we have to restore our resiliency and vitality. So those of you that have been following the podcast, taking some of my free trainings, you've heard me talk about these three principles that are required to restore our health and maintain our health. It's not like we achieve health and we never leave health,
1: right? (laughs) That would be nice
0: right? Health is not a destination that we never leave. Health is something that we are constantly kind of going in and out of. Some days we feel better than others. So regardless of the diagnosis, my underlying approach is going to be the same. So we have to identify, okay, if somebody's not feeling well, if somebody has migraines without aura, if they have vestibular migraines, if they have menstrual migraines, they are going to have missing pieces blockers deficiencies within those three principles that's a given we know that because they're not
1: feeling well so the question is the approach that you take is going to be the same no matter what specific type of headache migraine etc that people have
0: The underlying approach is going to be the same because there's going to be like that. Now, the particular like blockers or missing pieces or deficiencies, those are going to vary, you know, person to person, but we're going to see blockers or deficiencies or missing pieces within those three principles. That's a given. So then the question is, what are they for you? And then how are we going to address that? The best way for you to do that. So that's, you know, how we would even address that would be uh, different person to person. So, you know, if I'm working with somebody that works third shift, has a job where they're working third shift overnight, it's going to be a different set of solutions than if somebody works nine to five, because their environment, their their whole schedule, et cetera, is very different. And so the, the actual way we're going to kind of fill in those missing pieces or deficiencies, that's, that's going to vary person to person. But The universal is you have blockers, missing pieces, or deficiencies within those three principles if you have any of these diagnoses.
1: So it's not like the approach is the same, but it's not a a cookie cutter approach for everyone. So this is,
0: people will ask me, well, do you work with people with, you know, auras? Do you work with hemiplegic migraines? Yes, I work with all of those things. I work with people that, quote unquote, just have headaches. If, If somebody can have chronic headaches, right, that maybe don't rise to the diagnosis of a migraine, you're still suffering and you still have deficiencies or missing pieces or blockers within those three principles if you have daily headaches. So I think this is a critical shift, right, in our mindset, right? We are very much focused on like, what is the diagnosis? What exactly do I have? Well, all diagnoses are made up by humans,
1: used to say in psychology, in my psychology school, it's like it's just a word to describe a group of symptoms. That's literally what it is. Is you're just giving a label to a group of symptoms. Exactly.
0: Now the body generates symptoms within certain patterns. This is why we can identify certain patterns. And so over the course of time, over the course of the practice of medicine, doctors, you know, nurses, professionals have noticed these recurring patterns because the body, right? Things in the universe, things in the universe are not just random. There are patterns. There are laws to the universe. There are recurring patterns, right? Things are not just randomly happening. There are patterns. So we also exhibit these patterns. And so what we humans have picked up on is we have observed different patterns. And then we kind of say, okay, if you have all of these things within this pattern, you get this diagnosis. All right, you kind of check these boxes. If you check five out of these seven boxes, then you have enough of the pattern happening. Then we call it this. We call it migraine without aura.
1: Well, sometimes like I think just having a name to call it is comforting in a weird way, knowing what to call the pattern or the symptoms.
0: For sure. And it can be very comforting if we know, okay, the diagnosis isn't stroke, you know, like with an aura, right? It can be very comforting to be told, yeah, your, your retina is not detaching here. So that, yes, absolutely. That can be very helpful. But then the question is, okay, what next? what are we going to do next? And this is where we have a choice. Are we going to suppress the symptoms? And that's all we do. And do we just manage the symptoms for the rest of our life? And as they continue to get worse, we have to use stronger and stronger stuff to manage them? Or are we going to take the path where we identify, okay, what are the missing pieces? What are the blockers to me being in a state of health? And then can I fix those? So very good. How do you think we did, Mary? You think we covered it?
1: I do. I I feel like there's a thousand more questions that we could go into, but I'm sure we will eventually. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) how many episodes is this? We're on like 21. I I don't know. 2021. Anyway, there's also 20 more episodes that cover a lot of information. So You know, I feel like we just dip a toe every time we have a conversation. (laughs) I know, right? There's so much to know, so much to learn. There is.
0: So very good. I hope this was helpful to folks. And like I say, getting the diagnosis, that's great. But now what are we going to do, right? What are we going to do with the diagnosis? And again, we kind of act like these diseases Like they just kind of fell out of the sky and fell on us. Oh, one day migraine without aura, that just kind of fell on you, right? The disease, right? It doesn't technically exist. What exists is our body is generating these symptoms. The body will generate things within certain recognizable patterns, but there's right in the universe, there's no Entity called migraine without aura. That's our human brain kind of recognizing patterns and putting a name on patterns.
1: And I think it it goes back to the, like you've said before, it's a signal that something's wrong in the body. It's a, like you said, the true north isn't, your needle isn't where it's supposed to be, true north. And it's a signal that there's something wrong or going wrong and we need to address it. I've, I've always really appreciated that analogy because I'm like now instead of you know being afraid of a vestibular migraine or you know an aura it can just be like okay something's off and I need to figure out what it is rather than you know go into panic mode about it and with these diagnoses we
0: can become very almost invested kind of our identity almost. You know, when I was starting in naturopathic medical school, one of our teachers was kind of like an elder doc and had been in practice for a long time. And he shared a story with us. This was at the beginning of my naturopathic medical school education. He shared a story with us. So he had uh, two new patients that started right around the same time. And they both had the diagnosis of lupus, And, you know, he had worked with lupus before. He had had great success with lupus in the past. He was very eager to help both of these women turn their lupus around, get that lupus in in remission. Basically, you can turn that around so you don't have any symptoms that we call lupus anymore. And so he's working with both of them. Definitely, you know, individualized approach for both of them. But one of the women got better very rapidly and went into total remission was no longer had lupus, no longer fit the diagnostic criteria for lupus. And she kind of went on her way. And the other woman, oh, not everything he did, nothing, nothing responded. And he was, you know, studying the case and racking his brain and, you know, really, really working hard to serve this woman. And one day she was the last appointment of the day and he finished the appointment with her and she left the office. And then he you know, within a minute or two kind of closed up and left the office as well. And the woman was in the parking lot talking on the phone in her car. So she, you know, was still in the parking lot and he noticed her license plate. Her license plate was a vanity license plate and the license plate said lupus. And so the next time she came in, he said, oh, I noticed your license plate. You know, it says lupus. Oh yeah, she had, she was like um, the founder of like a lupus support group. So, you know, we'll never know for certain what happened in this case, but you have to question, right, if somebody has their license plate that says lupus, what happens when you no longer have lupus? So this is where we don't want to take on this identity of our diagnosis. We are not our diagnosis. The diagnosis is just a little little label that's put on a recurring pattern of symptoms that have been seen across different human beings. But we don't have to carry that with us, right? If we can get the missing pieces in place, right, we can restore our health. And when we do that, then we don't have the diagnosis anymore. So this is a really critical piece, right? We don't want to make a diagnosis our identity. Diagnosis is not our identity.
1: And I think that you, I mean, you hear that in, even in people, the way they talk, like my migraines, my migraines are out of control. Like, It's almost part of like they own those migraines rather than I'm suffering a migraine right now. It's my migraine. It's like an ownership thing. It's really interesting.
0: So like I say, these diagnoses, they serve a purpose, but we want to make sure that we are treating them in the way they should be treated. Not as an identity, but as a label, you know, to kind of put a name on a pattern of symptoms
1: that can go away. Such a shift in perspective, because I'm 99% sure that with the way we've been taught in traditional medicine, and which is what most of us are exposed to through, through our lives, that there is no way to, to get better. There is no cure for so many things, right?
0: Right. I mean, there are some migraine Facebook groups where you are not allowed to post that you're feeling better, because that's that goes against you know, our migraine Facebook group has a very different feel than most other migraine Facebook groups, right? Because most migraine Facebook groups, it's, you know, we're here to support each other as we labor under this horrible thing that fell out of the sky and it attached to ourselves, chronic migraine. Because that's the only thing we can do is support each other. No, uh, uh-uh. that's not the case. We want to get out there and we want to determine what are the blockers, the missing pieces, the deficiencies within these three principles and what can I do to correct it? That's what we want to focus on, not this temporary diagnosis.
1: And I just think it's a good time to mention that in the group, we don't suppress people talking about their medical journey either. Like, For sure. It is not go- like it's a natural group, but... Everybody is at a different place in their journey, so we don't penalize them for mentioning Botox. We try to to educate people, like you're adding more toxins into your body, which is actually going to end up making it worse, but we're not going to take that post down because everybody is at a different place in their journey, and we're not going to penalize people for where they're at. Correct. Just in case people see the unnatural posts in the group. absolutely (laughs) I get comments about that every once in a while I'm like okay it's because we're not in the business of telling people to shut up when they're experiencing what they're experiencing
0: yeah when they're looking for information for sure
1: anyway all right (laughs) well very good Mary thank you
0: so much for joining me again today appreciate it awesome we'll see you guys soon we'll talk to you soon and thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and other popular podcast platforms. Do you have someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? Please share it with them. Share on your social media. Share within other migraine Facebook groups that you are in. We really want to get the word out that you can recover your health and stop getting chronic migraines. And if you want to stay connected, join my free migraine Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine free life. Go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND on Facebook or to HealingMigrainesNaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the Facebook group.